Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hey everyone, it's Lori. Thanks for joining us for another episode today. I hope that wherever you are listening from, you're enjoying a bit of normalcy as we get into September and as kids start returning to school. We've been praying that those of you who are out of work are once again able to get back into your offices. And we know that 2020 has been an unusual year, but we want you to know that we have been praying for you and that God is in control and he knows what is happening all around us and we can continue to trust him for tomorrow. Well, I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. You're going to hear from Carrie. She's been standing for her marriage. While it's not yet restored, the Lord has really been working mightily in her situation. Carrie felt prompted recently to share with a group of friends what the Lord's been doing in her life and in her stand. And her testimony is going to point you to Jesus, but also challenge you to live a life that's fully surrendered to the Lord as you're waiting for restoration in your marriage. So I hope that you'll grab your Bible, grab a notebook so you can take some notes and enjoy today's episode. I'm Carrie, and we're going to just go ahead and jump in and get started. Um, What I'm sharing today took me about four years to learn, and God's been patient with me. And I've been praying about this for about a year to be able to share with you what he's been teaching me. I believe uh, for a while God's told me, you know what? Um, Revelation 12, 11 says we defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I am sharing. Oh, I'm just hoping that I don't cry through the whole thing. Anyway, I am sharing uh, my testimony and I want to um I want God to be glorified. I also want, um, I just pray that God would use the words that he says through me today to speak to anyone out there um, because I want them to be his words and not mine. Um, A year ago, I came back from El Salvador. It was the first time I had shared part of my testimony on my blog. I have shared different parts of my story. And I was at Gentry's home and I was telling her I was thinking about this. And she said, well, mom, what kind of impact do you think you might have with those homeschool moms if they knew the big picture? And so that's where I sort of started coming from. I'm nervous. I'm excited at the same time. I also know that when I am weak, then I am then he is strong and God's power works best through my weakness. So I am just trusting that he will speak through my words. Um, I'm going to just start with prayer. Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for your son. It's just a sacrifice that he made for me. I thank you for your love. And I just thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that you worked in my life in ways I could never imagine. I pray that you will be strong in me and I'll be able to communicate. The words that I say will be your words, not my words. In Jesus' name, amen. And I will cry. I got my trust little um, Kleenex here. So what I want to do tonight is talk about my journey. I'm going to share three stories of forgiveness that God's taken me through. And then I'm going to share a few, because those are things that have happened sort of to me. But I'm also going to talk about my sins, some of my weaknesses, and the way that God's worked in that. And then finally, I want to just share with you some tools that um, God showed me. 
When I was about three or four years old, I trusted Jesus as my savior. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents, both are still alive. They just celebrated 62 years of marriage in April. Um, 35 years ago, Steve and I were married back in 1985. We have three kids and there's Ashley. She's the oldest. Gentry is in the is our middle child and up there is Hunter. Since Steve and I were married, we um, we have led many Bible studies, some here, some at churches, some other places. We have had hundreds upon hundreds of people right here at this table that I'm sitting in, um, in our dining room, just to be able to share Jesus' love and Jesus' um, Jesus story with people. Uh, when in the 90s, Steve was head of our deacon board. He met with college guys on a weekly basis. He often would grab an older man and they would disciple two college kids for a whole year. And they would sort of then shoot them off and um, and tell them, OK, it's time for you to disciple someone that's younger than you. And so they would work together in that. Steve also met with husbands and I've met with moms uh, along the way and I actually had Bible studies here with the moms of one at a time and the kids would babysit and they would play with the little kids. So it gave me an opportunity to be able to um, spend time just one on one once a week with just one mom, their kids. And to me, it felt like it was a group activity because the kids were involved as well. We wouldn't have been able to meet if someone wasn't entertaining the little kids. Um, Steve would meet with husbands. I remember there were some years that he met every single week with some husbands in some struggling marriages and they would have breakfast together and he would talk them and walk them through and pray them through actually some of the things they were going through. We had family devotions together again right here at this table. Steve would lead those devotions. We had the opportunity that Steve and I were both able to go to sporting events of our kids since we were self-employed. We had the freedom to be able to leave in the middle of the afternoon and be able to be involved in our kids' lives. We moved to Idaho in 2004 for about four years so Steve could attend seminary. Um, and then we came back in 2008. Um, four years ago, after 31 years of marriage, Steve moved out and he filed for divorce. Now, I will get through this whole talk. Um, I've asked Steve and the kids permission to share about tonight out of respect for them. I um, really felt a burden back at the beginning of April. And in um, May, I spoke with Steve and each of the kids and asked them to pray about this because I wanted their permission at the first of, uh, by the end of May, everyone said yes. And then um, I had always thought and hoped that I would be sitting here sharing a story of reconciliation, but God has told me otherwise that it is time to share a story of brokenness. And I, I believe that a reconciliation story will follow. But when this all happened back in 2016, my first thought was, okay, God, I've got to pray and I need to pray your will. What is your will? And so all I could think was get the Bible out and start praying verses. I always knew that I needed to pray scripture, but I am telling you, I have learned so much about praying scripture since then. And so that's the only place I knew how to, to, to start. I believe the prayer of faith moves mountains. I believe that prayer of faith moves the heart of God. And even when I didn't have faith, I would just say, okay, God, help my own belief. I actually heard the guy out of Brooklyn Tabernacle, and he has, a, I mean, 
I'm not going to tell everyone else's story, but he had a time when his daughter had walked away from God. And he um, said, sometimes all I could do was just groan. <laughs> and I thought, yep, I understand that. Sometimes that's all I can do. That very first week, God gave me a verse and I have clung to it. It's Second Peter 3, 9. And it just says the Lord is not slow as some count slowness, but he is patient with all, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And I have just clung to that verse many, many times thinking, God, you're doing a work in our family. I don't know what it is. I can't always see it. I believe that maybe we're still in the dark side of the middle of the night and there is a sunrise coming up and I'm just waiting for the sunrise when things maybe are better. I am in a, a better place now, I will say, four years later. Um, I knew from the beginning that Steve would bring, um, that God would bring Steve to following God. You know, Steve is saved. He believes in Jesus. There is not a doubt in my mind that Steve believes in Jesus Christ and he will go to heaven. He is a child of God. I would never say anything else. But there are references in my story that Steve is not walking with God as I would consider someone walking with God. And out of respect with Steve, I must tell you that we have different opinions. This morning, I sent an outline to the kids and to Steve. And um, I've just been trying to work through that outline and to be respectful and to share things. So I am just saying that after he read my outline, he shared with me that I can't make assumptions about his faith. No person can tell what is in another person's heart. And for that reason, and out of respect for him, I'm trying to limit my assumptions. I've tried to work through this. I am trusting Jesus Christ that he will speak words that are words he wants to speak. And so if I do mention Steve's faith, please know that it is my personal view of what is happening. It's not my kids' view. It's not my family's view. It's not our friend's view. It is my view of our story and our life and what's going on. So a week after um, Steve moved out, I was at Ashley's house and I came across this. I don't know if you can see it. There you go. Surrender it all. That little thing popped out of a book I was working through. And I was like, okay, it has been sitting in my bathroom ever since because I knew that at that moment in time, I had to surrender it all to God. I knew it in my mind, but it was hard to put into practice because I wanted to control. I wanted to tell Steve what to do with our marriage and our life and why this was wrong or why this isn't the right thing. And so I, was, I, I knew that. There's a lot of things I knew. But getting to my heart and getting to my actions took a lot of time. I knew that I needed a gentle and quiet spirit. In First um, Peter 3, it says that um, we need to speak to our husbands without any words, but to speak to them with pure and reverent behavior through a gentle and quiet spirit. My mom would tell me, Mom, Carrie, I'm praying GQ prayers for you. And I knew what she was saying. And I knew that's what needed to be done. Um, and I didn't do a very good job at all, to be perfectly honest. Um, as I slowly told family and friends over that summer, their reaction was, what? You and Steve, you have got to be kidding. That just can't be. People were shocked that this was happening. I'd be a really rich person if I had money for every time I got that reaction because people could not believe that this was happening at all. I am not a perfect wife. I have done things wrong, and you'll hear some of those stories tonight, but um, 
it does take two people to make a good marriage. As my son and one of my son-in-law said, you can't have a good marriage with only one person working on it. And I believe that the enemy was attacking us and the enemy was blinding and the enemy um, had been blinding us for a while on many things. Throughout that summer, I found much comfort in reading the Psalms. In Psalms, I must have read it over and over. Let's see. The reason I could read the Psalms is it was actually, let's get this thing off, on my phone. And it was on the dark screen. So in the middle of the night, every time I'd wake up, I'd pull that thing out and I would read the Psalms. And I mean, I read them all at least twice. And the one thing that came across to me that I had probably never seen before is God's love is never ending. It is steadfast. It is unfailing. And I grasped onto that. You see, I'd always known God was sovereign. I think that God's sovereignty saw me through so much of this. But I took God's love for granted because I really don't think I needed it. I did need it, but um, my life just plopped along. Okay, you know, good. Unless I wrote in the um, the blog post, you know, good marriage, good kids, good family, good everything. Yes, we had problems. We had ups and downs. But I had never needed to just hold fast and cling to God's love like I began to need it at that time. Um. And during that time, I also began to experience depression. I'd never experienced depression. I didn't know how to help people in depression. I didn't know how to react. Um, along the same lines, I, when it came to mercy, I didn't know. I was like, you know, I'd read through the Beatitudes and I'd pray those and I'd just skip mercy because I'd think, that is not me. I, my kids know that when they were hurt, okay, let's see how hurt you were. <laughs> if there was uh, blood, they could have the real pretty Band-Aid. If it was just sort of like, I need a Band-Aid, they got the brown Band-Aid. I was not a very merciful mom. Um, I did care, and I do care for my kids, and I love them, and they know that. But um, my brother Steve, his name is Steve also, had told me that I needed to pay attention I needed to pay attention to my thoughts, my feelings, my attitude, my words. And I made this little sign. Yes, it still sits on my refrigerator that says pay attention. And it was something I really had to start paying attention to this right up here because this is where it was all starting. And as you'll hear, I believe that God has changed my mind. And I catch those inner chats um, that I believe the enemy is attacking me and that little chirping noise. I catch it a lot sooner than um, I used to. My sister, um, Jennifer, when the first day I talked to her, I didn't know this. And she told me later, she goes, Carrie, I was going to come and talk to you and just say, can we spend some more time together? And then obviously we did start spending more time talking together because I just needed that support and everything. And so she didn't need to ask because I needed someone to lean on. So that happened that began in June. Last week of August, I was down the street at Starbucks working one actually Sunday evening. And I got a text from Steve and it says, I want to go to counseling and I want it to be Christian. And so I had been going to a counselor and we began going to see him. And we worked through some things. But by the end of October, Steve said, I'm going back to divorce. Now I'm going to tell you, at the beginning, I kept my mouth shut. By, the, by in two months, I was doing a very good job at keeping my mouth shut. I knew I needed to, but there were times I would think about it. And I felt like I was doing okay, but I know there were some things I should never have said. And I did. <laughs> and I still think the enemy was attacking. And so at the end of October, uh, 
Steve uh, went back to his divorce. And two weeks later, my 24-year-old niece, Anna, died in a horse accident. Um, and so our family all rallied around that. So I was dealing with grief in many ways. I was dealing with the grief of my marriage and my husband. I was dealing with the grief of my sweet niece, Anna. And it was hard, you know, but I would like to say a few things about grief because I've learned a lot. And I would say if you are grieving, whether it's grieving a death, whether it's grieving a person, leaving, whether it's grieving a job or whatever, a loss of some kind, grief takes time. And don't squinch it down. You have got to press on. That's one thing I think our family did well is we pressed into our grief. And by having this grief with Anna and watching other people grieve, I learned a lot about grief. God knows what we're thinking. So just go right ahead and tell him. And I will tell you one thing that helped me. And that was having a journal. And I journaled and journaled about all sorts of things. He already knew what was in my head. I might as well admit it to him. It's okay to not be okay. Something I've learned. Because I didn't ever want to admit. I would never want to admit what I'm going through. Obviously, it took me four years. But it's okay to not be okay. Eventually, your grief is going to turn to peace and surrender and joy and freedom. But it does take time. Um, so we were working through that. In December, um, I had been really personally working a lot through forgiveness. You see, the last time Steve and I met over there in our kitchen table, I looked in and I said, I will forgive you. I don't know how. And I honestly didn't know how, but I will forgive you. And I spent those next weeks, even in the midst of depression and grief and death and everything going on, I was reading everything I could find on forgiveness. And I believe that December I had forgiven Steve and I wrote him a note. I just said, Steve, I forgive you. I love you, Carrie. I put it in an envelope. I dropped it in the mail and I mailed it to him. And God has taught me a lot about forgiveness. And I will talk more about that on January 1st, 2017. Yes, we've moved about six months down the road and I will move a little faster. Um, I moved to a new church. I'd gone to another church. Our family had grown up in another church for 35 years, but I moved to a new church. It was time to move on. And I never looked back. Um, in January and February, Steve and I had to go through mediation, and I learned a lot about the law. At first, I thought if I went to mediation and I signed these papers, I was agreeing to divorce, but that was not my heart, and I couldn't do that. But I was told that, no, you're just agreeing to the separation of assets. Now, I'm assuming that's what it was, but um, the second time we had mediation, I asked my brother and my son to come and sit with me and the lawyer, and so we did. And that day, a few hours beforehand, I'd been going through all the financial records and blah. And um, God just told me, Carrie, I am going to take care of you. Do not worry. I am taking care of you. You don't need all this stuff. I will take care of you. And I said, I thought, okay, you're right. All I need is my house and my car and some money. So the first thing I did was I called my dad and I thought he would be my safety net. And I would say, hey, dad, if this doesn't work out, would you help me financially? But they didn't answer the phone. And that was a God thing. 
because I needed to trust God. I called both the girls, Ashley and Gentry, because Hunter was going to be at the, um, the lawyer's office. And they had differing opinions and different responses. But they both said, Mom, if that's what God's calling you to do, then okay. And then I talked to Steve and Hunter while we were there, Steve, my brother, um, while we were in um, the room. And I was like, okay, God, I mean, I had all these assets and this, all this list and everything. I got up, went to the bathroom and prayed and I came back. And as I was about ready to talk, my brother gets up and goes to the bathroom. And I was like, really? I was ready to say what I wanted to say. And he came back and I didn't know it, but he had gone to the bathroom to pray for me because he had asked me a question. He said, Carrie, what would say you don't believe in divorce? And that's what I was wrestling with. And so I thought, well, what would say is I would trust God. And so I told my lawyer, I said, okay, here's all I want. And the mediator came into the room when it was all over and he looked at me and he's, and he's, we had already had some conversations. He went to second Baptist in Houston and he looked at me and he said, can I pray for you? And I was like, sure. And just thought, wow, he had seen something going on. And um, so he did pray for me and we moved forward from there. In March, my, I was having going to grief share over Anna and my, um, my grief share count leader, whoever recommended a book that I have used for the last four years, prayers for prodigals. And that book has just helped me. It is chock full of, um, of scripture. Every prayer is like one and a half pages. It takes 50 50. It takes five minutes at the most to pray. I'm not going to hold this long, but that is my list of all sorts of prodigals that have um, come into my life that I pray for. And those people on that list, I pray for um, at least by name, I would say at least three or four times a week. And I pray those prayers um, for people that are not walking with God. In April, I quit going to my counselor and I met with my, uh, my new pastor and the assistant pastor, Oh, about four or five times over the next six months. But the first time I went to talk to our pastor, my new pastor, um, he said, you need to prepare. Um, you need to prepare for divorce or reconciliation. And reconciliation is probably going to be more difficult than divorce is. He says, I would recommend studying the enemy. The enemy has been attacking you. You're, you and your husband were burned out from ministry. We've had some depression going on and the enemy has been like shooting the arrows at both of you. And so you need to really study the enemy, study the armor of God and just see what God has to say and do that. And so that's what I began to do. And um, I started trying to gear up in June. Um, the divorce was final. And you see in Texas, it only takes one signature to get a divorce. I understand it's because of to protect little kids and stuff like that, but I didn't have any little kids. I had all adult kids. It took one signature to get a divorce. And my personal belief is that in the eyes of the law, legally in this county, there's a divorce paper, but in the eyes of God that I am married, you see, Stephen, I made a three-way covenant with God, a three-way covenant. And it says that one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I have learned so much about a three-way cord. And I actually believe that God and I still have that covenant 
and we're just waiting for Steve to come back. Throughout the next summer, uh, that summer we um, did the Phyllis um, Shire's um, Armor of God and um, study. And one thing I really learned is Steve is not my enemy, that my enemy is up in the heavenlies and that enemy continues to attack us. And I had to really remember that. And the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and guard us from that evil one. I had to also continue to remember that GQ, gentle and quiet spirit. No, I'm still trying hard, but I didn't do a very good job. I will say Labor Day weekend, I was doing a Google search for prodigal spouse because in my head, I kept thinking, if I could just find the perfect article, if I could just find the perfect verse, if I could just find whatever the right thing is, surely that would say speak volumes. You know what happened? I found an organization called Rejoice Marriage Ministries. And what that did was that changed me. Yes, they're all about rejoice marriage. They're all about reconciliation of broken and dead and hurting marriages. But they're first about we have got to get this right. I have got to get my relationship right with God. And I was walking with God the best I knew how. And I continue to walk with God the best I know how. But I love this ministry, one, because it's packed with scripture. There are other divorce ministries that may add a verse at the bottom. But these people, everything that they sent out is supported scripture after scripture after scripture. And they are all about God's reconciliation of prodigals coming back to Jesus. They have daily emails that if you have a broken marriage, Go find, I think it's rejoiceministries.org, but go Google, Google prodigal spouse and it ought to show up, but Google rejoice marriage ministries. I would like to share a few things that I've learned through them. And these aren't specifically the tools I'm going to share, but they are things that I think may help you if you're in a struggling marriage. Number one. Charlene, who is, and let me just tell you a quick little story. The um, the husband and wife that started it, they were married for 19 years. She got divorced uh, two, and then she made, thought, oh no, I made a mistake. Two years later, they remarried. And then for 23 years, they were uh, married until he passed away. But she uh, makes a comment. And one thing she said was, you know what? You get dressed every day to go out. And I mean, I don't know any of us that walk outside without our clothes on. But do we go outside without God's clothes on? Do we go outside without God's armor on? And so I began, and I can honestly say there are a few days I barely made it, but I pray every morning that God would dress our family in the armor of God, that God would dress Steve and the kids and me in the armor of God. And it doesn't take very long. And to be strong in the Lord Jesus Christ, to stand firm, to put on that belt of truth and replace all the lies in our heads, to put on that breastplate of righteousness, justice, and holiness, and leave our sins at the cross, to put on those shoes of peace, that God would cover us in the blood of Jesus, because that gives us peace and reconciliation, that we would put up that shield of faith, and God, the ones that can't hold up that shield of faith, Hold it up for us and extinguish all the arrows of the enemy to put on our helmet of salvation and to take every thought captive to obey that we need to fight our battles in the word of God, that sword that he's given us. And we would spend every day in the word of God and that we would pray perseveringly pray in the Holy Spirit and that I would pray for prodigals and dead and hurting marriages around the world that God would heal them today. 
it doesn't take that long, but it will focus you on what you need to be doing. And it has changed the way that I pray. I pray a lot more than that, but that's what I started with praying just this armor of God. And that is in Ephesians six. The other thing they told talked about was the prodigal is oppressed by the enemy, which I knew Satan in the flesh, there's shame, there's guilt, and there's so many lies from the enemy. And that's what we need to be praying against that. We need to talk to God first instead of our friends. And I love this phrase that Charlene says, we need to take a God poll instead of a people poll. Think about it. Who do you go to first? Do you go to Facebook? Do you pick up the phone and call someone or do you text someone? I will be say that first year. I mean, my friend, one of my really good friends, she goes, Carrie, you had PTSD. And I thought, I guess I really did. But that didn't make excuse. I probably didn't need to spend quite so much time on the talking to people. And I need to spend more time praying and in here. And I did spend a lot of time, but God kept growing me to do that. And I will be honest, today, there were some things that happened. And there were some communications that went on today. And I didn't go talk to any of you people. I didn't even go talk to my family about it. I just kept praying, God, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, speak through me. And I am trusting that the words that I'm saying are honoring, they are respectful, and they are God's words. So, my prayer life began to change, to pray the blood of Jesus over our family, to pray a wall of fire out of Zechariah um, so that Jesus Christ is the shining glory in our life, to pray the angel armies that are protecting us and destroying the enemies that are attacking us, that our whole family will pray the name of Jesus today and every day, and that God would put a hedge of thorns around the prodigals in our lives and that that hedge of thorns would put a wall when they run after the world or whatever it is, they would come back and say, I was better off with God. I might as well return to God. And also learn that we need to have, we want, uh, we want our uh, people to be reconciled, but to be reconciled, you have to have godly sorrow. And that leads to repentance. And in 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says our actions display true repentance. You know, in church um, a few months ago, we had a young lady talking about depression and pretty bad depression. And she says, you probably want to know, how did I overcome that depression? And she said, repentance. And I truly believe that any problem in our life is solved through true repentance. So now God has been working in me and I'm going to try to hurry this thing up. But um, at the end of first of October, um, Ashley had surgery the last Friday of September. Four days later, my dad was ambulanced two hours away to Austin for heart surgery. The next day, he had a stent put in his um, um, heart. And a week later, he was having an aorta valve replacement. My mom stayed at the hospital. My sister and I were staying at the sort of Ronald McDonald house. And the surgery went until 11 o'clock. So I was downstairs by myself doing my brand new Bible study called Stuck by Jenny Allen. I'd never heard of this lady before, but I'm going to tell you right now that Bible study has made a huge impact on me. And that morning there was a question about write down the things that you have a right to write down the things that are most valuable to you. And I wrote them down. I looked at them actually this today and I thought, I guess I sort of covered up what I really meant because I wasn't even going to be honest there in case someone found it. But 
I wanted a good marriage. That was valuable to me, a good relationship with my kids, my adult kids. I wanted to be heard by a church that I felt like was doing things against our family that I didn't think were right. And I wanted to be emotionally healed. The very next question is, are you willing to lay down your rights to those things? And I was like, ouch, uh, I don't know. I mean, I wrestled with God right there in that Ronald McDonald house, but it was a changing point in my life. And I had to say, yes, I mean, it doesn't mean I always live that way, but yes, I'm going to lay down my right to a good marriage. I'm going to lay down my right to a good relationship with my adult kids. I'm going to lay down my right to being heard and I'm going to lay down my right to being emotionally healed. And I did. And so um, I moved forward on the way home from Austin later that week. And my dad's doing fine, if anyone is worried. And Ashley's doing fine, too. But um, I listened to a message that I'd heard many times. It was on forgiveness. And it said that, you know, if you want to forgive, you've got to admit that what someone's taken away from you, they can never give back to you. And that you are going to forgive. You're going to release them from the debt that they owe you. And that is, excuse me, what will give you freedom and peace. So I came home that night. I grabbed a piece of paper and I actually wrote down, Steve, you took these things away from me. You can never repay me for these things. I forgive you. I cancel the debt. I close the account folded it, put it in my journal. And I thought, okay. And I actually felt great peace and great freedom. At the end of that week, my pastor did a talk and it was something about, um, you know, if you were to die tonight, what's the one thing that you would want, feel like you need to get done? Now it's usually in regards to salvation, but in my case, it was God was saying, you need to tell Steve that you release him from this debt. So I went home, I got that piece of paper, I put it in an envelope, I went over to his house and I taped it on his door so that he would know what I had written down and that I truly released him from the debt. And so I did. Um, and there is true freedom, I will say, in doing that. And I can say that some of you are probably going, but you don't know what I've been through. And I would say, you're right. I don't know what you've been through and you don't know the details of what I've gone through. I haven't shared the details. I've just told you what's happened. And I, um, but I do believe this. I believe that God is good, that his word is true. And that when I forgive, I receive freedom and victory and peace. You see in Colossians 3.13, it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. He forgave me. So I have to forgive others. I need to make allowances for others. And another verse that I used with the kids all the time, and I always thought it was just a kid verse, was Ephesians 4. And it says, well, the first part's adult. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, all types of evil behavior. And instead... Be ye kind one to another. That's what we would sing to the kids. Tender hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God through Christ has forgiven you. Two verses back to back. We have got to forgive each other. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't forgive someone, this is what's happening. I had a counselor show this to me. She's like, this is you and this is that person. And when you don't forgive, I don't care what they've done to you. And you're right. I don't know what's happened in your life. 
And it could be horrible. And I have read stories of people forgiving for murders and all sorts of things. But this is what happens. That other person has control of you. And when you forgive that person, that person goes away. And they have no more control over you. And I just think that's a great picture of what forgiveness is. And when you release them from that debt, they go away. And you have freedom and you don't have to think about it. And when it comes back in your mind, you just go, I've already forgiven. And we move them from my hook to God's hook. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But before, before I do, I do want to back up and say there was that church problem. And it was really pounding down on me that month. And um, I actually, a week after I'd gotten home, I talked to my pa- my new pastor. It was the second or third time I had talked and, um, to him. And... He said some things. And four days later, I was talking to my dad on the phone and they used the exact same terminology. And I was like, "Okay, Carrie, you've got to let it go. Give up your right to be heard. And so I did. And I thought those people are going to do whatever they're going to do. And so I let it go. And the way I know I let it go was I received an email a few days later with, I don't know what, I'm assuming whatever they were going to do to our family. I never read it. It's never been open. I don't know what was in it. I actually did not find out for another month what they actually ended up doing. And that was because a friend had told me I had no idea what they ended up deciding. And I just let it go. That to me is freedom and peace and victory over grudges and wanting to shove it and give it to someone because you want to be heard. At this time, God was also telling me for the first time, I started to have faith that our marriage would be reconciled. And I didn't know how or anything, but one of my very, very good friends was on the phone with me and she goes, how do you know? And I'm sitting here like, I'm trying to explain to her and I had to really think about it later. And here's my answer. How do you know your marriage is going to be reconciled? If Steve's over here saying it's not going to be reconciled, will you know how? Faith. That's the only thing I can say. And I can't explain it like I can't explain faith. How do you know you're really going to be saved? How do you know there's really a God in the heavenlies? Faith, that is all there is. And that is why I truly believe that our marriage is going to be reconciled. And yes, I am saying that publicly, but um, I truly do believe that. So. I think I skipped a story. One last story about forgiveness. If you need help, we were in this Bible study later on, and one of the young moms had said, hey, I found out that, you know, it used to be when I didn't get along with one of my friends, I just quit being friends with them. But in marriage, you can't do that anymore. You've got to figure out how to work with them. And so I bought this book, and it's called How to Forgive When You Don't Feel Like It. And so I thought, well, you know, I've read a lot of books about forgiveness. And if you need a book about forgiveness, that is the one that I would recommend. I said, well, I'll just go ahead and read that. That was at Thanksgiving. By Christmas, I bought a copy of that book for every adult in my family. And I gave it to him and I said, you may not need to forgive someone right now, but sometime in your life, you will need to. I hope this one helps you. It is scripture, truth, scripture, scripture, scripture. The one thing that has stuck with me more than anything is she says, when you forgive, you move that person from your hook to God's hook. And that is an action that's really helped me a lot. So forgiveness and third forgiveness story. And then I will get into my problems and the things I said. 
there was um, another time that a group that I had worked with for a while, for a long while, asked me to leave. And I didn't realize how deeply that really hurt me. And till that night when I came home and tried to go to sleep and I could only sleep for an hour. And I thought, you know what, this feeling feels exactly like that first night when Steve told me that he was going to file for divorce. And I thought, I never felt this. And so those of you that have been betrayed by a friend, maybe you've lost your job or you've been overlooked by a promotion, or there is something that you have invested in people somehow, and they're just like, nope, we just want you to leave or something. That hurts a lot. And so I actually had to really deal with that. And over the next few days, it felt a lot like that first week after Steve said that he wanted to divorce. And it was very difficult for me. But I kept getting up and I kept going to God over and over. And that next week, I can say that I was doing so much better because I believe that every morning what was happening, one of those words that one of those years was joy and rejoicing. And I'd really spent a lot of time about joy and rejoicing. And I really believe the joy, we find joy in the presence of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when we count it all joy, that strength in the Lord, we have endurance. And that's in James, that we can encounter various trials knowing that we have endurance and our faith produces endurance. And so I truly believe that getting up every day and spending time with God that week and just being a little clear headed and knowing a lot more about forgiveness than I did when all of this first happened, I was doing a lot better. And I have to say that all of that right there comes from Chris at Antioch, because that's where I actually got this. But um, the next week I was at Ashley's house and she says, Mom, look where you are in one week. And I looked at her and I said, you're right. It took me a year to get to this point with dad. And in one week, I am so much better off. I say that, that I do think God keeps giving us tests. And sometimes it's the test over and over and over again. I had been praying to resist the enemy by drawing near to him and humbling myself. And God said, well, let me test you one more time. Let's see if you will really humble yourself. And that's what he did. I really, truly believe that that was another test of how we can resist the enemy. We And here's another set of tools. We can defeat the enemy. And these are just some of the things that I have found by putting on our armor every day, by drawing near to God, by humbling ourselves, by worshiping. I was just reading Jehoshaphat this morning. All they did was sing and they turned around and their enemies were all killing each other. And they had all these dead bodies. They just worship God and God delivered him and he fought the battle for them. We defeat him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. If you're having problems, I would suggest those are the things that you could do. Now, let's move on to me and some of the things that I am not very perfect. And I had to do some apologizing throughout these last four years. And so let me tell you some of my mistakes, but what they really are are sins and I believe when we confess our sins, we will be healed. And I've already confessed these sins to the people that were involved. But I believe that God wants me to confess these publicly. And so one of the first things when we came back from Idaho is Steve wanted to go to a home church. And I was already plugged into a Bible study. And I was sort of like, okay, whatever. I wasn't sensitive. And that really hurt his feelings. 
And a few months later, I realized that was wrong, Kiri. And I did go and apologize to him. I actually recently apologized to him again because it was completely wrong. It was insensitive. It was not being a respectful wife. It was not being a submissive wife. And so there are many things that I've done like that over the years, but that's just one of them. Another time, Steve and I were texting about, I think, a plumbing problem here in this house. And, oh, my gosh, my buttons got pushed and I responded poorly. And I just took that phone and I just started texting truth, truth, truth. And all these things I was praying for him. And, yeah, they were all scripture. But it was just uh, I shouldn't have done it. And a couple um, about a month later, it's reading right here in this Bible, Job. And I was um, reading about those lovely friends that were just speaking so much truth to Job. And I just sat at this table right here and I just sobbed and sobbed and thought, you are those friends, Carrie. That's exactly what you did to Steve. You spoke truth with the wrong attitude in the wrong situation. And it is wrong. So once again, yes, I asked him to come over and I apologized to him for speaking truth to him in the wrong way. And it was just totally disrespectful. And I shouldn't have done that. I want to close up with a few things. How have I survived? Many people would advise me to just quit and move on. And I'm going to tell you a month ago, I was walking home down the street. and I was like, Carrie, you're doing pretty well. You, got, you are in a healed place. It would be so much easier to just quit and leave this marriage, leave everything. And it really is the easiest thing to do is to quit. Keep praying and standing is hard work. And it's only done in the strength of Jesus Christ. But I believe that if I did that, I would not be obeying God. You know, we would never, I wouldn't say we, most people are not going to quit on their child when things are going wrong, when they're not walking with God. Um, they continue to, I will tell you this, that I got this because one of my very good friends told me this way back at the beginning. She was like, Carrie, people don't give up on their children when they walk away from their family, when they walk away from God. They keep praying. Now, they may have some boundaries, but they still pray and they may want to throw the towel in. But somehow they continue to pray over and over again. Why do people quit on their spouse? I think one of its society, the world and even the church encourages us. A lot of Christians will encourage you to get back in there. Let's find someone else for you. I personally think if I were to get remarried, it would be a sin and that would not be right. So I'm not going to do that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And God has blessed me in so many ways. One of the things that he has blessed me in is since 2012 is I have kept a gratitude journal. Here it is. And here is number two that I just started. I'm on number five. Today I wrote down 5,780. And today I wrote that I had a quiet weekend. Thank you, God, that we had green grass because of rain, that I had pizza again um, on Sunday, and then just a chance to practice my story and pray over that. Sometimes it's very simple things. Sometimes it's not. But I can tell you right now, gratitude changes my attitude. And when I am losing it, 
I mean, there was one time I was walking up and down this hallway and I was just screaming at God and I grabbed a piece of paper. I sat down. I just started writing down things that I was thankful for. And before you knew it, I was writing down things about God and I was praising God for who he was. And my whole attitude about life and everything changed. I believe gratitude truly can change your attitude. The other thing is I have a firm foundation in God's character. Thank you, mom and dad. And just thank you, God, for all that you've done for me, that I know the character of God, that he is sovereign and righteous and just, and he loves us and omnipotent. And he is the all powerful one. And he is never going to lie to me. And so I can trust in that. I have had doubts. I will just tell you, I have had doubts. I've doubted if God's really there sometimes. I've doubted. Are you really even listening to me, God? I pray every single day. And I honestly say I have prayed for Steve every single day since he left. I feel like my prayers sometimes are spaghetti on the wall. Are they sticking? But you know what? There are so many stories in the Bible and so many stories in history of God's miraculous work that I quit doubting. And I am thankful for stories and testimonies. And I pray that my testimony might be able to encourage someone to never doubt and never doubt God's character. And the other thing that's helped me survive is crying. And I've actually gotten through this a lot better than I expected to. I thought I might cry a lot more. I think crying is good for the soul. Um, I think I know God collects my tears in a bottle and he writes them down in his book. And I found another verse in Psalm 126, 5. It says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. And I just found, I, I found it a while back, but I just saw it again. And I think that's something I'm going to write. And let me give you my practical tools and then we're going to close up. And I'm trying to finish up quickly. I've already told you I keep a journal. That is where I write down my thoughts, my prayers. And I'm going to tell you what, I haven't looked at this one in a long time. This was number one. I just grabbed a three ring binder and started writing. And it is bad. I'm sure the things that I wrote, because I, I was angry. I was hurt. I was bitter. I was everything that you aren't supposed to be. But God knew it. So just write it down and get it out of your system. So journaling has really helped. The other thing that journaling does, and nowadays, is it helps me slow down my thoughts. It helps me hear God because my hand works slower than my, my mind. And so it just slows me down. It quiets me, be still, and it lets me listen to God and hear his quiet voice. I pray. I pray scripture. So journaling. I pray God's word. I've already shared my daily prayers are armor of God, 1 Corinthians 13, love, and Psalm 51, confession, blood of Jesus, name of Jesus, resurrection power of Jesus. I have scripture everywhere, even in my car. It keeps me focused. I keep the radio on the radio, the Google, hey, Google in there. Um, so I know that prayer moves mountains and it moves the heart of God. Number three, a phone, believe it or not. I actually, this is a tool. It's a great tool. I have timers to pray. I have reminders to pray. I have prayer lists on here on my calendar. If you pop up at 11 o'clock, there's verses right there for me to pray. The Holy Bible app is here so I can open my, uh, my phone and read my Bible at any time. Faith. Faith is a tool and it is God is working. And there are two verses that God has helped me remember and know. And it, I just cling to them. One is Hebrews 13, 5. 
I will never leave you nor abandon you. God is never going to leave me or abandon me. He is never going to leave and abandon Steve. He's never going to leave or abandon our kids. In Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God who began a good work in me, Steve, and our kids will continue the work until it is finally finished on the day of Christ Jesus and when he returns. God is never going to quit working. And if you've um, heard the song, um, you just haven't seen it yet. It really is about there. We may be living in the dark night. We just haven't seen the sunrise come up and the light and glory. And I know, I believe we will see the God's work in the land of the living. And I just butchered that verse. Uh, so I also know that my faith has got to be in God. I can't change Steve. I can't change anyone, even though I do want to try. And in my head, there's a lot of things I try. And I, but I have to also remember, my plan is not better than God's plan. Let's be honest. If I said something to change Steve, his, his faith, his words, his actions, whatever, it would take the glory away from God. And that's wrong because to God be all glory in my life, in Steve's life, in our marriage, in um, the kids. And then fifth, so we've got journaling, prayer, phone, faith, community. Yes, God has blessed me with a strong community. I have three awesome kids and two awesome son-in-laws. And I thank God all the time for my kids. I am so proud of each one of you. And I love each one of you so much. Y'all have supported me. Y'all are my strength. God is my strength, but you are pretty close up there. And I thank God that you are walking with him. And then most important, number six, God God is my rock, my stronghold, my fortress, my refuge. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus defeats the enemy and protects and gives peace and reconciliation. I pray the blood of Jesus over me. I pray that Steve, me and the kids would always come to godly sorrow and repentance. And so we will be reconciled with Jesus Christ, with God. And then we will restore that God would restore our marriage and God would restore our family. And then we would call on the name of Jesus Christ and then Holy Spirit, that we would walk in the power, the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit. How can I move forward? How can you move forward from here? And I am going to finish. This is longer than an hour, more than I wanted to. But for a couple of years before Steve left, I wondered if I love Steve. What is love? Another abstract. I would do anything for Steve. But do I love him? And through this journey, I know that I love Steve with all my heart. I tell him I love you more now than ever before. I will love him with or without a response. Love keeps no record of wrong. That means we have to be a family of forgiveness. And I pray that every day, which means God's going to keep giving us opportunities to forgive and to not keep a record of wrong. Whether we're rejected, whether we're offended, whether we're abandoned, no matter what's happened. We need to not keep a record of wrong. And my prayer, and I'm going to just close with this, is that we would love like God says in 1 Corinthians 13. And this is one of my daily prayers, that, that we would be overwhelmed with God's love. And yet we would also be overwhelmed with his conviction every day. But that our family, Steve, the kids, and I, that we would be patient and kind. We would not be jealous or boastful or proud or rude. We would not demand our own way. We would not be irritable. 
who would not be angry, would not rejoice in the evil, but we would rejoice in truth. And we would not keep a record of wrong. We'd be a family of forgiveness. And we would never give up. We would never lose faith. We would always be hopeful. We will endure through every circumstance because God's love in, through, and around us will never fail. That is my prayer for me, for our family. And that will be my prayer for you too, that God's love would really come and that you would absorb God's love, mercy, grace, compassion, forgiveness, so that it pours out on others. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. If you are like me, you probably like to have as many things in your life automated as possible. Nowadays, we can automate so many things from telling our vacuum when to clean the house while we're at work to automating the oven to turn on to cook our dinner. Well, one of the things that people have enjoyed is our family challenge. It is an automated donation that you can make every month to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. When you sign up for the family challenge, you can pick your predetermined donation amount. And on the first or 15th day of each month, depending on the date that you choose, Until you tell us to stop, you will make a monthly contribution to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. You can visit www.rejoiceministries.org and click on Donate to find out more about the monthly family challenge.